Hey everyone, welcome to the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I am your host today, Yasmin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Noor, and a special guest, Jerome Chang, is going to join us today. Creative director, guru of positivity, curator of good vibes, most awesome guy on Twitter, uh, is joining us today. And we're going to go over, um, kind of review the wreckage of a second round exit of the for the Toronto Raptors. Um a eulogy for the greatest season in franchise history. And maybe we'll go over some points of the series and how we feel assessing the team now. So anyways, let's get right into it. Talking about the Raptors-Celtics series, went to seven games um, after being down 0-2 to the Celtics. We had the miracle shot in game three. Fred said after that shot that, you know, Boston fucked up. And I feel like Fred... They, I feel like they pushed that season, the series far enough where Fred doesn't sound stupid. What do you guys think? <laughs> I was no, so scared up. when For he sure. said they that. fucked up, right? Like it, it came oh, yeah. down to one possession in a game seven, and I feel like Fred does not sound stupid. Like it's not even a quote that Celtics fan can go back to and be like, "Hey, uh, check this shit out." Like, no, they they kind of did <laughs> fuck up. Uh, the recent <laughs> bias of just seeing them like celebrate after game seven, like really has you forget how shook they were at they every were. minute since up until that point. And like all the momentum we had coming out of game six. So that alone and just how they seem to carry themselves and how, I mean, like, it's almost like how happy they are coming out of it with a win. You could tell how much they felt like they almost fucked up. Yeah. Like Kemba kind of just screamed at the buzzer and I'm like, yeah, I would, I'd be relieved. As a it's only the fan. second round, guys. Um, <laughs> what was it? Like 18, 18 turnovers, something like 35 points for the Celtics off turnovers. Like they could not score on the Raptors. They thrived in transition off of those turnovers and the sloppy handle and what I think was just exhaustion catching up with the guys. But they really just played their hearts out. Even, you know, with the struggles, Kyle struggled, fouled out, Pascal struggled and was just kind of doing whatever he could with whatever little that he had um, in those final minutes. It, it sucks that it came down to that because there was a pathway to the finals. I'm not going to be uh, pretending that it didn't hurt and it didn't suck to see them tap out earlier than what I think they could have. I felt like they could have passed through uh, Miami and perhaps ended up in the finals. And what a story that would have been, you know, to follow up a season losing your finals MVP with another finals run. So... Yeah, that, that really sucks, um, but it's really difficult not to just feel proud of this team and see that they were perhaps on the brink of being swept and they found a way to will themselves to winning. And that kind of experience for our young guys is just indispensable. Like, I, it's going to help them so much in the future. And it's hard for any, I feel like it's hard for any all-star or superstar out there not to see this Raptors team and say, hey, I, I, I see this culture. I see the potential in this core here. And I can imagine myself inserting, you know, my abilities into this lineup and making a run for years to come. So um, what was your feelings after um, that final buzzer, guys? Like you said, um, when Fred originally said, you know, they fucked up, I was kind of scared. I was like, you know, what if this goes against us? This is going to look so bad on Fred, <laughs> you know, like they're going to use this this phrase against him for time and time again. Like that would be his legacy for a little bit. So I was kind of scared. I was like, I really hope that they they really push it to as far as they can or absolutely you know, win. But like you said, yes, like there's no way that you could be uh, anything but, but proud of this team. 
they, everybody had them knocked out. No one had them winning anything this off this postseason. Most of the media pundits in America had them not even making the playoffs. And honestly, this entire series, yes, Boston was probably the better team, but the only reason why was because our shots weren't going in. We barely had any production from anyone else on the offensive end. Um, when you have that, like you still, the fact that they still went to seven games, they still pushed it to the seventh game until the very last minute. That says a, a lot about the heart that this team has. And if that doesn't excite you for next season, for what these guys are going to come back looking like, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm so proud of them and I, and I just can't wait for the other journeys that they're going to put us on. I think it's wild that you can win a championship and somehow losing a seven game series uh, in the second round gets you more respect as a team. Like it feels yeah. like <laughs> yeah. the rest of the league notices us more now. And especially Kyle Lowry, I think oh, no matter yeah. what happens, um, like no matter the results of this here, nobody is going to deny Kyle at this point, you know, that's a championship point guard right there. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, the loss sucks. I, I think, Coming out of it, I think I was also just so exhausted going through a seven-game series like that oh, and yeah. watching through it and watching through that game. But it's weird that this one felt more enjoyable. It's hard. I, I can't really compare it so soon, but it felt more enjoyable than the Philly series, even though we somehow lost this one. Yeah, I no, I understand why. what you mean. Totally, you know? because there was... With there was like this unimaginable pressure during the Philly. That's why yeah. I always say the Bucks series was the best mm-hmm. out of that finals run, out of that entire sure. run. Because after the Philly series, I felt like it was gravy, you know? Everything after that was like, hey, like we're in the Eastern Conference Finals again, no matter what happens. Like it's success from here. So to see like I it's hard to describe, but it feels like the most non-disappointing seven game loss like game seven loss ever like I can't think of right. a game seven loss that's like maybe OKC's perhaps um <laughs> because you know like you yeah no, no I know the, what you mean the Rockets are we're the better team you know and mm-hmm. every they're kind of these fun overachievers <laughs> um, <laughs> um you know you know what actually might be the difference I'm thinking about it now between Philly and this uh this series I think I came out of Philly thinking thank god for Kawhi Leonard but I came out of this one's like I just love this team yeah like everyone on like just the idea that we got to see so many different people step up in different moments for this team and appreciate mm-hmm. all the p- pieces as opposed to like one like otherworldly superstar. I-, I think as a Raptor fan, like this one really cemented them as a great organization in some ways more than the Philly one. I think that's why. absolutely. I also think the other the other reason too was the fact that there was so much pressure about Kawhi staying or not staying. So the whole entire Philly se- series are just sitting there, kind of like I I want someone else to to help uh, Kawhi so that Kawhi kind of you know he doesn't get knocked down in the second round in the uh, in the eastern in the eastern um, standings and uh, he doesn't feel like you know, there was just a lot of pressure on the idea of Kawhi staying or leaving. And this time it was just pretty much like, okay, hey, we're up for this very greedy team against, up against a very greedy Boston team. And I don't know about anybody exactly. else, but I think Yeah, we're for like me, the higher seed, but we felt like underdogs. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think still between Boston and Raptors, um, the best player on the court was, was Kyle. Um, and oh, that... Yeah cemented like everything like last year it was just pressure it was a lot of just waiting to see what Kawhi is going to do but this year knowing that you're being led by your point guard the guy that's never going to let you down that that was the best part for sure yeah 
So let's talk about, I think we should maybe go over individual players and I guess their future on the team. And, you know, I, I right in the aftermath, after that final buzzer, I remember feeling just like, oh, I really didn't want to see uh, Pascal struggle so openly, you know, on a national scale. That game seven, like after that game six, which people were calling one of the best playoff games of the last 10 years, everyone was tuned into game seven. So it really sucked to see him struggle and to be met with his limitations so publicly. But at the same time, there's like evidence of Pascal um, improving as a player on a year-to-year basis, right? So even if his ceiling is a number two score on a championship squad, like that's okay. <laughs> that's still a max guy. You know what I mean? So I guess that's the thing about winning a championship. It makes, it gives you perspective. It gives you perspective to kind of appreciate the journey because if, you know, Kyle's run with the Raptors didn't end with a championship, there would have been like his um, story as a player would have been so incomplete, you know what I mean? And just so mm-hmm. understated. Whereas now I feel like just everyone was kind of involved in that love fest <laughs> of saying, wow, Kyle Lowry's, you know, freaking amazing. So I feel like that kind of, um, you know, you have, the, of course, the casuals who are going to say, you know, uh, he flees, you know, Pascal flees the Raptors and he's not the guy. Whereas now I'm like, it's okay if he's not the guy. You know, a lot of players aren't the guy. Kyle isn't really the guy. If he was, you know, the Raptors would have gone all the way to the finals, but he's a championship caliber point guard and Pascal is a championship caliber when all of the defenses are zeroed in on him. That's okay because there is a future where. Masai Jiri can pair him with uh, adequate or a talented all-star caliber or even a superstar wing creator to take off that pressure for him. And automatically you have a team that's, you know, contending. So um, I think that the future for the Raptors is kind of obvious where I think it's clear where you want to keep certain players who that young core is. I don't even call them a young core because they're now kind of on the cusp of their primes, but I think the future for the team um, is pretty clear. Like, you know, what do you guys think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've all been kind of online defending Pascal, so we don't necessarily need to go into great detail about doing yeah. it here. But this is someone who just came off being a most improved player. We have to repeat it every time, but he's only been playing basketball for so long. I think if he somehow did actually make that leap this season into being some superstar isolation player it would be insane it wouldn't make sense (laughs) it wouldn't make sense um there there just wasn't enough in terms of showing that he'd be able to do that on a consistent basis is not to say that he won't do it in the future and i think paying him that money and signing him to that max is showing an organization that has the culture and believing in its development and Mm -hmm. i think if you're going to really complain about it and feel like you're getting fleeced right now just there's zero appreciation for the work being put in at all these are Um, all leaf fans i think exactly (laughs) it's nothing else yeah it's it's yeah it's it's kind of getting it's really getting spoiled by a championship you know a championship happens and you just there's like an entitlement that comes to fans that haven't necessarily been through it the trenches you know (laughs) i've seen far uh, more disappointing losses man Losses that oh, made me like mute the word Raptors on my Twitter <laughs> account. Like this is literally the most non-stressful um, second round exit in recent Raptors history. Because and it's we're, the we're bubble. With the other ones. 
the bubble's and not it's in a real. Weird bubble, bubble, bubble it's basketball not is real. not real. <laughs> we don't acknowledge <laughs> we just saw it. Today, this was the fluke. <laughs> I think we just saw, you know, and, and honestly, like as we said, like you know, uh, Pascal had that really hot start to the season where he honestly looked like the second best player in the conference. Like he looked like he was only second to Giannis. <laughs> I was making this argument. I swear to God. Yeah, like he looked insane that first um, couple months, and then he got injured and he kind of lost his rhythm and then he found it again towards I feel like the end of the season and mm-hmm. then there's a four-month break and I feel like when you're a player like Pascal where you may have not been playing basketball for that long um, you're very rhythm-based you're not you don't have maybe the muscle memory of a Jason Tatum who's been playing probably since he was four years old or something I think but he does have the muscle that memory that on the defense too right oh like, yeah I think that what makes defense him- is such I, a I think great star is the fact yeah. that he's a two-way player. It's so underrated. Oh my God. I felt like this, I feel like his defense this series was just like transcendent. Like it was insane. Like just know that he has that gear on defense was really cool to see him like use it, even though um, he hasn't been relying on it this season because he's been so heavy on the offensive end. But when his offense was failing him, like he was sitting on that defense and it was amazing. He was a plus um, whenever we won. So that was cool to see. Um, I think that that's where his like maybe soccer background shows with his quick feet and his ability to switch. But, you know, I'm really excited uh, to see what he, you know, what skill he gains in the future. And and honestly, if he like, if his ceiling is that championship season, like that's okay. (laughs) That's still an amazing player who I would love to have on this team for years to come. I think he has the physical talents to add those counter moves because we saw when he added his spin move absolutely before. yeah and teams have just adjusted like defenses have adjusted to that and obviously he just has to go back to the lab and, and get another that he said in his post post game scrum like nobody should be questioning the attitude that this guy has when it comes to becoming a greater player the fact that he took the responsibility for it and the fact that he chose like he just took it all in internalized it and said that he's just going to come back better like that his post game was great attitude. it was amazing yeah i suggest have- everyone check out his post game it was amazing. And we have no right to say anything to this guy because we've watched his trajectory. We've watched how each season after season he comes back be- becoming an even better player, an even better person. And I know there are people who are saying like, yeah, of course, we don't know what his ceiling is. We don't, we, he could, he could not be the guy. He could just be a, a chip um, to help the guy, but we still don't know how far he can go. We still don't know if he really is the guy or not. What if he comes back next season and he's so polished that he really does, is he's ready to, to lead us. You know, by then the Eastern Conference would be a lot more packed up too. We don't know what's going to happen with um, Brooklyn and Milwaukee and everything, but mm. his his trajectory has just been so phenomenal that these casuals wouldn't understand what we understand. Like we understand that he's going to come back working hard with Rico for the summer. Um, I guess over the winter, winter at this point. And <laughs> yeah. really knowing like what his, what skills he needs to, he needs to perfect. And he does it so well each, each time he's, this is the G league MVP, yeah. the, the champion, the yeah. NBA champion, the year MIP all-star should have been all defense. Like give him some time. And remembering he's not a lottery player. Like we make the exactly. Pascal comparisons, but we're talking about one who was drafted in lottery and one who wasn't. And yeah. the fact that he's even in the conversation for that is really a testament to how much he's done. It's yeah. Like and honestly, does. like my like advice to Raptors fans. Yeah. Yeah. My advice to Raptors fans is to find the joy in the journey, you know, like find that, like enjoy. Find your Pascal smile. 
<laughs> right, like enjoy exactly like enjoy the journey so that when they do reach that pinnacle again which they absolutely will i don't like at this point i'm kind of expecting to decide to pull something off with his current squad but um find the joy in this journey because honestly it makes the victory in the future like that much sweeter like when you know the story like that's why i think the the fan base found so much joy in kyle Lowry finally getting his championship ring because we saw the struggles. We saw those failures. We saw that wizard sweep. Like, I love that Kyle mentioned that wizard sweep in his post-game interview. Mm. Like, he didn't have to bring up that horrible memory, but he brought it up because, you know, he was trying to remind um, the reporters that he, he's been through what Pascal has been through, perhaps at a worse scale, like, to be patient with this kid and to understand that he's going to use this as fuel for the future. So, moving on from Pascal, um, let's talk about a couple of the other guys um, before we head into the next series for the Eastern Conference Finals, OG and Fred Van Vliet. I feel like those two are going to be pillars for the organization. Like OG has just kind of, I feel like he's taken a leap to being a very, very steady complimentary piece for a good team, like for a great team. Like I was just so impressed um, with, I remember OG's issue through his first couple years were his, kind of lapses in judgment on the court. Mm -hmm. Like he'd kind of make very youthful mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, But to see him be honestly in this series, perhaps the third most reliable guy on the court. Like I feel like Fred, despite his struggles, was someone that, you know, had flashes of just brilliance during the series. But OG was always there. You could always count on him. Um, he might throughout. be second in like the player that was just doing these key plays the same oh, way yeah. would do. Like, like all the offensive rebounds he would get. <clears> all um, serious. That was insane. Consistent. Ridiculous. Yeah. He's like the exact kind of player that you need in like, you know, a, perhaps a big three in the future, you know, like you need that guy who you can rely on on a night to night basis, who's like completely unfazed by the moment, you know, that was the best part of it Yeah, where you saw OG put every, I feel like we're starting to see him put everything together. And now the future for him is just adding to his arsenal. Um, he already has such a great foundation as a defender, as a decision maker, um, as a shooter. So seeing OG like play like this was so rewarding as a fan who was very high on him in his rookie season. And Fred Van Vliet, I will say this series, I was kind of worried that he would play himself uh, out of the contract. I feel like that was a worry for a lot of fans. Like what if he looks better than Kemba out there and he expects a max or something, but you know, I, I, he didn't play at himself out of, I feel like a Raptors budget, but he was still, um, I, I think he still had the limitations we expected with his finishing, but, you know, I enjoyed um, his shooting. I think I saw developments in his playmaking that he didn't have even last year. And I feel like he kind of dispelled the judgment people have about his size in terms of um, not being able to do anything in the playoffs because he was doing some stuff out there. And I can see him being a starting backcourt player for the future of the team. Uh, What do you think about that, Jerome? It felt like the length bothered him quite a bit on offense yeah but he did figure uh some ways around it and he was getting some big shots off especially when it mattered but i think what i found super impressive is his on-ball defense like he was getting mm-hmm. he was guarding players so much bigger than him like for you to have like any kind of success against jason tatum um for the way he was guarding kemba at different points you know it was if there was anything that made him feel like he was a kyle lowry like protege it was that it was just that like you would think, you know, 
someone with Fred's size take him in the post, but he was giving no ground and just his hands uh, being so quick, like I think across the board and we saw it when it came to this last game and throughout the series, like offense is something that I think all our players kind of need to figure out and how to work Mm -hmm. with, but that defense is just there and keeps us in games and makes us such a hard out and such a nasty team, especially for playoff type basketball. And it's so cool to watch because that sort of whatever you call playoff grittiness is something that I don't think we have had in the seasons before, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Like that, I feel like that's a winning formula that or sound like for them to just edge out there like Boston's a top four offense and we were neck and neck with them this series you know which I find amazing so I think Nick Nurse has found like a sustainable formula for relying on defense in the playoffs um, because even if you're met with um, perhaps generational offensive stars on the other end you still give yourself a shot even if you're not nearly as offensively talented as them and I can I can see the Raptors following that framework uh, going into the future Oh yeah, for sure. I think, especially in, I think the game six win, I remember, I think Freddie strips Jalen at a point on a drive, like late in the game. And I think to myself, like, these are the kind of plays, like, I think we were so used to last season seeing Freddie hit like really big, like deep three, you know, like he obviously has room to grow. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, like you said, his finishing can be approved. I, I remember watching him doing drives and I think, the way I was kind of playing his <laughs> offense. Yeah, like I felt like he either will drain a three, but basically like when it comes to drives, either Freddie cooks them or he gets blocked. But like it's never anything in between. And I think that's where he can start adding a little, like he just has this skill and talent to like add kind of those kind of Kyle Lowry kind of moves. Um, yeah, like the sudden stops. Yeah, exactly. using his body to create space and stuff yeah. like he can't be, yeah, that he can't just be comes with reps Freddy and just IQ. crossing people out like he used to. Mm. Yeah, but like he yeah. he has such a smooth game, but I think sometimes that stuff works against him in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think this was so exciting about this squad. Like you see exactly where they need to improve, and you don't see how they can't do it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like just going into the lab and making these slight changes like to their start. abilities. Like if this, yeah, it's, it's is a good start with? for yeah. the future for the next like five years. Before we move on to the Eastern Conference Finals, did you want to add anything? Yeah, so I I completely agree with you guys with the whole thing, um, and I think the reason why this loss is and this defeat is so. Um, tolerable and manageable is because you understand that these guys have they haven't hit their ceiling yet they're going to come back and they're going to have us cheering on um even more for even more moments and that just makes you excited like as long as we have the core of pascal siakam fred penfley og Ananobi, and lauren powell i this this is this team can go very far and then if they're managed by kyle lowry on top of that this is a fun team to root for no matter what yeah, and perhaps in the future we can have an episode uh, dedicated to um, whatever moves they're going to make in the future and the future for certain uh, veteran players on the team because I feel like there are a lot of um, options for Masai Ujiri and I trust his decision-making. So that should be really exciting. Um, so now we have a Miami Heat and Boston Celtics matchup for the Eastern Conference. I thought we'd get a Bucks raptors match, but, you know, this is a pretty interesting matchup of styles. Um I'm going to say 
I expect the Celtics to actually go to the finals, especially if they get Gordon Hayward back. Oh, um, Gordon Hayward gets like back in and Miami was able to and able to play. That's I mean, like that was the part that really gave us kind of like a real like fighter's chance in our series. Yeah, I honestly then. like I feel like for the Raptors, um, I don't know if Hayward's presence would have changed much because I feel like they've always held. I feel like uh, what is it? When Marcus Smart starts, it actually gives us more problems right. yeah, for our backcourt. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? So um, I feel like it actually it's not a matchup. Uh, his presence wouldn't have changed too much, but for them to have another shot creator versus a team that does not have the ability to put an OG on an OB on him might have been a problem because the Raptors would gladly put Kyle on uh, take Jason Tatum. He defends Jason extremely mm-hmm. well. But the Celt- I don't know if the Heat have that option. They were perfectly equipped to handle the Milwaukee Bucks because they had Bam Adebayo, because they had uh, the ability to create that wall and to kind of, um, you know, allow an Eric Bledsoe to kind of beat himself. But <laughs> I don't know if their formula will work versus a team with so much offensive firepower. And they're a middle-of-the-pack defense so i don't know if their eighth ranked offense will be enough for them to overcome like a stunning boston even taint a Dragic, who was so helpful for them um versus milwaukee i feel like marcus smart will kind of nip that in the bud very easily especially if he heads back to the bench so yeah like i i'm not sure like of course jimmy butler can do jimmy butler things he's been amazing um and he's absolutely a superstar but yeah, uh, what do you guys think? For me, I, I agree. I don't think it's going to be an easy run for the Celtics either. I feel like we kind of don't give Jimmy Butler and um, Miami Heat their flowers because they they do have a lot of offensive weapons that they can rely on. Goran Dragic has been having the postseason of his like life. He's been really good, good in, in every in every game that he's been playing. I think did we. I'm not sure if we had a chance to play them, um, but maybe I had watched a different game. But even he's in the bubble, yeah. In the had right? Even that game, like yeah, he, in was, the bubble. he was the one going off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know they have other weapons they can rely on, and Harrow and um, Duncan Robinson. He's so his his three his, his three range is just like off the charts. They would have to have um, probably Marcus Smart on him just to make sure that he doesn't get going, but. As far as the series itself is concerned, probably is going to be a Celtics win. We 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 all pretty much um, assumed that whoever won the Raptors and Celtics series would probably take Miami Heat. But yeah. I don't think it's going to be an easy run for the Celtics, though. It's probably uh, maybe not a seven-game series, but I'll, I could probably see it going to six. And you can't count out Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is made for that last moment. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Celtics have the edge. I think one thing that... Miami has that we don't is they seem to have a little more length than we do at least in uh the backcourt and such and I think that's gonna help them in some ways I, it's it's so weird like it's hard to pick against a team that took out the Milwaukee Bucks in five it's um I still can't it, believe that happened I know shocking like genuinely Wild. shocking and they just squeaked out that one win that they had it went to overtime like right. it could it could have very well been a sweep I guess it's genuinely shocking. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and I think, well, like I, I was just listening today on uh, like David Aldridge uh, on the Hoops Adjacent pod. They were talking to Jason Jackson with um, the Miami Heat. And 
like it is really interesting to see what they've done with that team. Uh, like they always say, like heat culture and everything. But it does remind me of the Raptors in how they got all their role players to buy in the way they do. Because it's yeah. really amazing to see some of these really young players coming up big and being dependent on to hit big shots. And I would argue, you know, you mentioned Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. I don't think we have those level of sharpshooters. And that might be the kind of thing that could be a difference maker in this series. Um, and they're a deep team. Gordon Dragic is great off the bench. Andre Iguodala seems to bring the intangible stuff. If anything, he probably can keep them steady throughout in terms of just having that experience there. So if you're asking me right now, I'll give Boston the edge, but I feel like this is going to be a tight series. Even if it's, you know, even somehow Boston takes it in five, I don't feel like it's going to be a blowout five. It's going to be just like a tight game throughout and Boston just getting the edge each time. But I, I don't know, like, it's weird because we've been so used to the Raptors being in the playoffs now, for, like throughout the playoffs, yeah. that is the first time I'm re-experiencing just watching basketball without anything really invested. So I could just, you know what? I take it back. You just reminded me of the Raptors. I, I give, I give Miami four sweep the Celtics. (laughs) I don't care. After that, that Marcus Smart post that we, the North, like I'm, I'm triggered. Okay. That was the worst thing we could have done. No, we got, we got heat in four. I want Jimmy Butler to stick a broom where it doesn't belong. Just get them out of there. Kick them out of the bubble as soon as you can. Send them uh, on their way with twenty five dollars. Send them coffees? on their way. Oh yeah, overcharge them like four times. It's surge hour. <laughs> but as great as they are, it's just it's hard to root for them, and that's how they act. Like especially after Jalen, Jalen, yeah, Jalen Brown's comment about uh, um, Nick Nurse being on the sidelines and how oh, grown, grown men should one, be man. able yeah. to control themselves, like. You know, you can be a that little bit. That one broke bit my classy. heart because I love Jalen Brown throughout this entire. I know. I was run. like, "What are you doing?" You're our guy. Don't like you're a future Raptor. Don't go against the Cavs right now. <laughs> yeah. But, well, if anything, yeah, I, I think in terms of who I'm rooting for, um, I know I just said I don't really have anything invested, but I, I do. Think, we do. No what matter are you what, I just got to root against. Yeah, I got to root. I'm against buying that Jimmy Butler sure. jersey right now. Are we're all, are we all doing, like, rocking vice colors throughout the rest of this month? Is that the plan? Yes. Let's let's do this. We're gonna be getting Jimmy Butler henna tattoos, fully invested. Like Here's red. Do what you gotta do. I'm a Jimmy Butler yes, how do you feel about this? for a little bit. It's weird. I like Jimmy Butler is the one person who has killed our team so often, and yet somehow I love him so much. Like he, he's, he's like, like Kyle. He's yeah. Like I was gonna Kyle, say, do you right? think yeah. it's the connection to Kyle? I think it's so. And I think he's, he is effortlessly charming. Like, I think yeah, he really um, is. He, he's a player to me that seems to have the largest gap between his will and his actual like level of talent. Like, I think he's at exactly. an all-star. But to put him like in that category, like on certain nights, he's the best player on the floor. And I, in some ways, I don't feel like he has any right to be. But just the way he wills himself to do that, which does remind me of Kyle, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absurd. Like, just that. Just he just that has the height. Or the intangibles yes. just um, lift them. It lifts their skill set up to where it's like, wow, this guy is a top 10 player today. Like, there's very few players where you see, like, all-round dominance from them, even if their skill set doesn't warrant it. Like, it's, it's kind of insane to see. 
Like there were nights versus Giannis where he looked like the best player on the floor. That's like, That's insane. And, you know, nights versus like freaking LeBron where he looks like the best player on the floor. Like it makes no sense. And you see um, that in players but yeah, like, 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 uh, like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry and um, Chris Paul, like these guys who'd have no business just running the court. They do. They take over. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man, yeah, I, Chris Paul, like, in in his series where they went out in seven against the Rockets, like... Oh, man. That was also an honorable seven-game loss. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Speaking, like, someone, I think someone mentioned on Twitter where, um, imagine if the Heat get through and the Denver Nuggets get through, like, imagine that finals and how ESPN would have to cover <laughs> that. <laughs> like, that would just be awful for uh, the talking heads, but... Adam uh, Silver I, might have to guys saw the game today. Did you guys see the game, the matchup today? I I saw the first half and I got into most of the second, but I was kind of just like on and off, like with it in the background. But yeah. then suddenly I just realized saw the fourth quarter. it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's not crazy. I mean, the way the Nuggets have been playing and just the resilience, I guess we shouldn't be surprised by it, but. Credit no, you're to right. them, and you're also, right. what's up with the Clippers? Yeah, like, it's weird because the Nuggets, I, I kind of unfairly kind of cast them off as, um, like, I don't even say fake contenders. I just didn't think that they were ready yet. But watching mm-hmm. Jokic and Jamal Murray, like, will themselves to win, to be unfazed by the moment. Like, you're seeing... Jokic is so fun to watch. Pl- like, the, so, so fun. You're seeing He's the past playoff player. runs. Oh, uh, Jokic, Jokic? Jokic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. Like he's, he's insane. He's like Mark Gasol, prime Mark on steroids. Like he's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. But yeah, just to see uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray put the pieces together, like you're starting to see their past playoff runs affecting their state of mind as they play. Like I love seeing that progress for young players where you're seeing like, oh, they're making like, they're it's learning. not even like a huge leap, but it's like those little those little mental changes where you're like, okay, yeah, this is, I can see the Denver Nuggets being like a contender for years to come uh, with those two. Um, But yeah, like the Clippers are weird because there's something about them where I I was thinking about it today where Kawhi is really the only guy that's kind of proven on any level. You know what I mean? Like even the Raptors, they had Kyle Lowry. They even had Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka who are like, players with a history of winning, you know what I mean? Like they have that pedigree where besides Paul George, who's had like some terrible losses in the playoffs from OKC to Indiana, it's Kawhi Leonard. And then a a bunch of role players who are talented in their own right. But I think we saw today where when their backs are against the wall, like where do they reach in? Like, what do they do to overcome it? Like, of course there's a game seven left, but Mm. that meltdown was pretty historic. I think it was not since 1997 that we've seen like a loss, um, a a lead change that severe. They were up by 20 at one point. And I think they lost by like 16, which is shocking. And and that all happened, I think in the second half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter. So um, that was hard to watch. I think someone mentioned where sometimes the Clippers just look like a bunch of guys at pickup who met, like recently, that's that's been my favorite comp of them. Yeah, it's so true. It's so like accurate. They, like the talent is there, but you can see the disconnect. It's interesting because like we just came off talking about, of course, the Raptors and the Miami Heat, and they seem to be getting more and more credit for their just established culture and pedigree. And I think the Clippers snuck in last off season in presenting that to Kawhi, outside of the fact that yeah. Kawhi just wanted to move back to LA. But, you know, 
they they don't really have that history. And I think having a season cut short for them and having to kind of get that stop, also dealing with their kind of rotating injuries throughout the season, there wasn't mm-hmm. enough, in my opinion, foundation for them to kind of rely on in moments like this. Now, we can all be proven wrong and they'll come out of the series and figure it out and take the whole thing. But I think because it seems like they're almost like a rushed effort when it comes to the culture outside of Kauai, it really just expands out their um, floor and ceiling. Like I think their floor is a lot lower than it could be. And which is why as much as people have saying have been saying that the Raptors miss Kauai, it looks like on a basketball front, Kauai should miss the Raptors just as much. I think they were great for each other. Yeah, the fit was amazing. Like you brought up a good point where their floor is like really low. Like when things went wrong for the Raptors, I remember that playoff run. Like you'll have a moment where Serge Ibaka looked like prime Serge Ibaka. You know, you had moments where Marcus would score twenty and look like prime Grizzly Marcus and then you had moments where Kyle just looked like it was twenty sixteen again, and then you had moments where Fred VanVleet and Pascal Siakam would have that um, bench mob connection where everyone seemed to have their moment that was established from years of winning where it's like what is that for the uh clippers you know technically they have the talent on paper uh to run through their conference and to me beat the lakers handedly but the way the lakers look like i feel like maybe the lakers even have more of that uh pedigree than Mm -hmm. the clippers like of course lebron's the best player in the world but after that like at least you have a semblance of a bench where they have a history in la rondo who like i think just because of his history of being with the Celtics and having that playoff like i just think he's a winner actually makes a difference yeah like he's not the player he once was but you know being a winner, like it shines when you need it most, and like, like as much as I, I'm not a Kuzma fan. Like you're seeing him make improvements as a role player, and you know Alex Caruso is kind of like, uh, like a like a local legend for you know LA fans. Like they have like a team that's been kind of marinating for a bit, and then you add LeBron and AD, and it just works. And then the Clippers are kind of guys that work mashed together, and of course you had Lou Will and. Montrez Harrell, where they had that run against the Warriors the other year. But mm-hmm. even then, like, they, these guys are, you know, um, again, they don't really have that background of, you know, winning or a connection that's kind of, I feel like, going to shine through in the worst moments. Like, they're about to head into Game 7. Like, who do you trust besides Kawhi in a Game 7? Like, uh, Paul George doesn't have the best game seven history, but he's an excellent player. And then after that, it's like, this is going to be a matchup to watch because the Denver Nuggets are a team. Like they have been building together. Like that's a culture. Like people talk about the Raptors and the heat because they have like the most recent history of winning, but like the Denver Nuggets have been building the, a team the right way for a couple of years, like a few years now. And they have the perfect balance of veterans and they have the perfect balance of talented role players. And then two stars like this, I think this game seven is going to be one to watch. Like it's going to be so, so good. The pressure is on. Yeah. And, and like Jokic said, all the pressure is on them. On They're purpose, just having fun yeah. out there. That's what it feels like. I think yeah. like the last thought I have about that is, A, like it just seems that the Nuggets have nothing to lose in this. But then B, which is 
really interesting. I think over the course of two postseasons now with Kawhi, this might be the first series where in a game he's not the best on the floor possible with Jokic like falling out. He is. You're not necessarily that dominant um, superstar in the matchup. Then it really falls down to, to your point, yes, everyone under. And it seems like the Nuggets right now are more built for it than the Clippers. Yeah, um, I people mentioned like Jokic has a playoff switch. Like he may not be, you know, he's a young player. I think he's like twenty five. He's twenty five years old, so he's not. He doesn't really have the history of having a playoff switch. But in the playoff, this guy, his game, perhaps it's because his game is so playoff ready. Mm-hmm. He can shoot from anywhere on the court. He can create advantages for any teammate, which is what you need in a star player like who knows how to uplift his teammates, like see a shot and also see the better shot. He can shoot threes. Like his game is so perfect for the playoffs and he can try on defense when he wants to, but he's, he's like the prototypical perfect playoff player. Like it's, 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 it works so well for him. And we're seeing it like for the second year in a row where his talent is just shining through as ready made for the playoffs. Like it's just, he's so similar to Luka Doncic in that way. Mm where um, he's a big man, so it doesn't look similar, but these are guys that can do anything on the court. And people are talking about, um, like, if you swap Anthony Davis and Jokic, uh, this team is not making it past the Jazz. You know what I mean? Like, you need a guy like Jokic who can pass and who can create for anybody, who can get you a triple-double as a big man with ease. Like, that's kind of unheard he's of in crazy, this era. Like, yeah. he's insane like it's it what works so well is, is like he's setting the standard for future big men yeah yeah, yeah. his his yeah. game is the future like sure we have you know people that want to talk about small ball but players like Jokic kind of nullify small ball where mm-hmm. you know what's the point if the big man can yeah. do anything <laughs> well to your point there it just like he just brings the size that's the thing like it's last year when Kawhi faced something like this like the solution was he would just shut down Giannis. He can't really do that with Jokic. Jokic is mm-hmm. way too big for that. And I think those things are big difference makers where no matter what, Jokic is going to command a double team. And yeah. with his passing ability, that opens it up. And the way the Nuggets just seem to be locked in and believing themselves, like they're hitting those shots. Yeah. And, like just imagine a 10-foot um, point guard. That's what Jokic does right? to you. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's like, what I it's normally insane. create in 2K. Yeah, yeah just like the tallest person with guard skills. That will be my son. That's what I want my son to look like. If Luca was a, if it's Luca, it's like if Luca was a seven footer instead of six seven. That's crazy. That's what he looks like on the court. Um, so moving on, um, yeah, game seven is going to be one to watch. That's going to be absolutely amazing, and I can't wait because I'm actually. I, I think a Denver Lakers may, matchup might be just as interesting because... Wait, can I actually ask a question I to Noor? Love- just because, like, Noor and I have such a strong connection when it comes to Kawhi. Who will <laughs> win game seven? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't, I don't one. know. <laughs> like, I'm really you got a Canadian on one side. And Kawhi You got our Canadian, our Windsor gem, and Jamal <laughs> Murray. And then you get uh, the King in the North on the other side. Like, what do you oh, do? You? But honestly, Kawhi losing a game seven after we lost a game seven would kind of be perfect. Right? That, that <laughs> seems like perfect for Raptors, but then... For NBA discourse in general. <laughs> on a right? personal scale, when you have named your cat after Kawhi, then it kind of hurts <laughs> right. to see him go home. But honest to, like honestly, that's, that's so true. I, in any other case, like... 
Yes, Kawhi is great. Yes, his greatness is amazing. He's going to put on a show. We know what he's going to do game seven. And honestly, I probably will give the edge to Kawhi because Kawhi. Um, but if they lost and Giannis went out almost the same way, almost getting swept, and we went out putting up a huge fight, not being where we, we were supposed to be, this is the best case scenario for us. Like our propaganda machine is like blinking right now. <laughs> I was texting Nord before this, but I was like, if somehow the Clippers blow it and lose game seven, is that the basketball gods actually trying to give us karma back for losing to the Celtics <laughs> in seven? Like to take out both Giannis and Kawhi in the second round, like at the expense of, I guess, us losing our spot too. Like, is that how we're being rewarded back i feel like end. yeah i feel like the raptors we've had so many years of just playoff heartache like just having your heart mm-hmm. ripped out in the playoffs for so many consecutive years that not only where we do a championship we do some good karma going into the future too i feel like we've built up some good like a good resume with the universe so, <laughs> where right? they owe us for the next couple years but yeah that would work out beautifully but um, we did receive a few questions. Um, Nor has the questions. Um, do you want to um, go ahead and read them out? Yeah. And we'll answer them best we can. The best we can. Okay, perfect. So the first question we have is from our favorite listener, Julie. She says, I know there are so many times to choose from, but looking back on this season, what was or were your favorite moments? Thank you to you ladies also for a fantastic podcast. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for listening. We love you. Great question. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I'm <laughs> guessing Raptor specific because this is kind of like, you know, yeah, uh, end of the specific. season, mm-hmm. end of oh. season eulogy. I, there are so many. I think it will probably be the high of Pascal's first like month and a half of dominance where he kind of locked himself into all-star starter position like very quickly. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I got so much joy out of that run from him. Uh, and I hope we see it again next season. It was just, it was so fun um, where it felt like, yeah, Kawhi's gone, but oh my God, this team is like just as fun, just as competitive. Like it was so fun to watch. And also like I, every year I go into the season expecting a Kyle Lowry decline because he's, you know, he's reaching that <laughs> point where he's on the last legs of his prime. And honestly, maybe I should just accept that he's going to be like Steve Nash and he's going to be a useful player until he's like 30, 39 or something. <laughs> but like looking into the season, I was like, okay, this is where Fred takes the rein and Kyle kind of takes a backseat. Nope. Uh, he was <laughs> having perhaps his maybe top two best season ever as a Raptor. Like, Top three, maybe like where he. Just I think once you like, factor in this series, it might be his best. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Factoring in this playoff run, it might have been his best season as a Raptor, uh, and I'm so glad that we got it right after a championship. After after kind of you know the embarrassment of losing your Finals MVP, like to have your uh, franchise cornerstone play so well was just amazing for us. Um, backing for off me? of Yasmin. Oh, sorry, you're wrong. Oh, sure. Oh, thanks. Um, for me, it's Scarves. I think yes. that's my favorite moment of the season, just because it seems to encapsulate so much of what this season works for me. I mean, there's just the ongoing, like how that built out to the, you know, walk-in uh, challenges between the two of them to the plane photo, which I took and made into my own sweater for myself to just the idea of, 
this felt like a season that was that didn't necessarily have its like one standout you know everything revolves around them superstar and it was really so much about the team and getting to know each member of the team and appreciating not just what they provided on the court but just their personalities off of it and it felt like it was summed up that way and the reason why i asked like is this raptor specific i meant more like is it about like the team itself because my other raptors tangential thing that is my favorite thing is the birth of dishes and dimes this season oh (laughs) it was honestly the perfect and weirdest and most chaotic season to debut the yeah (laughs) It, it, it worked out perfectly like of course we had to come out not only during a what is it like just before a four month break, but also during uh, the funnest season. So um, like hopefully going into the future, we'll have like even greater seasons where we kind of look back on this and be like, how did we even top that? But yeah, you know, those are all good points. How about for you, Noor? Uh, For me, I know Jerome just said that it's it's the fact that this is a team and it's the unit. Um, But for me, I think it was the fact that after Kawhi left, this really became Kyle Lowry's team. And that the fact that he got to lead us and really become like the leader and the guy that everyone looked up to. And I think that position really solidified um, in the Mavs game when they had that comeback. And for me, but it was probably my favorite moment. Um, I was at that game. We were down 30. Oh my God, really? Yeah, we were down 30. That's That's crazy. And I went with Naj, yeah. And uh, we we left at halftime and we were just like grabbing pizza, catching up. And um, we looked at the score. We're like, okay, like we're down. We can spend a little bit more catching up. We we were like both to the third quarter. And as we're getting ready to head back, we were down. I remember the score was like, 85 55 maps something like that when we were heading back and i'm like oh my god look at the score like we're not gonna open should we just head out now and we go we grab our seats and as soon as we sit down larry hits a three and then every shot after that he took it was a three and it went in and you just everyone in the, in the arena everyone there just knew like give the name. ball yeah give the ball to larry no matter who has it, just give it to him. It's going in. He has the hot hand. He's not going to let us lose. And I still cannot believe we won that game. Like, we left, and I'm just like, did we win? Like, we actually won. Like, we were down 30, and we left, and, like, we won. And she's like, yeah, girl, like, we won. But it was – he that entire thing just solidified his spot and what he meant to this team. And he's everything. Kyle is Toronto, and Toronto is Kyle. Yeah, I'm glad he had a season where he can just say, like, yeah, that's his team. And where everyone was like, yeah, he's our leader. Like, I'm glad he had that year to try that out. Like, of course, I kind of wish he had a, a couple more years of that in the past. But mm-hmm. for him to have that season and still have, like, his best season as a Raptor uh, during that year, like, it's very... It's like a, it's like the if this is the last year for him as a Raptor, it's like the perfect way to close that chapter of his career. Like, it's very, like perfect bow tie on okay stop it yeah we're not we're not going down that route no he's gonna come back next year we'll do that we'll do that yeah we're not doing this no we're not we're not going there don't put out that energy in the universe he's not leaving care emotionally like to both your points for kyle i think um it's so cool to see this season how he can be so many different things for this team when they need it like i think You know, there's Kyle, who's the best scorer on your team. There's Kyle, who's leading and controlling your starting lineup. And then there's, like, Kyle plus bench. Like, the fact that 
in any scenario, he was just the person that came through. And I think to Noor's point and to your point too, Yaz, it's just um, he rewrote his own legend like in this season. I think we saw hints of it already last season uh, in the championship run. And, you know, we always have Iman who was there from the very start uh, preaching the gospel of Kyle Lowry. But this was the year that everyone really did appreciate it and just kind of came out and even like let everyone know, like you all slept on him this entire time, but he's always been this player. I think he's definitely matured and developed over the course of that time too. But just the different ways that he showed his value is incredible. Yeah. And like, just to like, to end on that question, um, like for him to, I remember, I think I was responding to Will Lou where I said like, uh, it's, crazy that three Raptor starters, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam were all mentored by him. And then our sixth man, Norman Powell, like Kyle's fingerprint, like his fingerprint on the team is going to last like perhaps the next five, uh, next half decade. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's for a while now. Like he's, he's going to have like a whole era starting from when he came to the team mm-hmm. to when the last player who was mentored by him is traded. Like that's like going to be his entire run, which is going to last perhaps half the age of the franchise, maybe right. like <laughs> a very young franchise and a whole chunk of his existence is going to be, yeah, this was like the Larry era. <laughs> I think um, everyone loved talking about how Kawhi's personality helps calm this team and give them confidence and kind of keep them even keel throughout. But you just said it there. I think we will talk about it if we aren't already, how much of Kyle exists in our current crop of like our young core. Just yeah how much of his imprint and personality is on them and how important that is just as much. Speaking of our exactly. point guards, our next question is from Giancarlo Navas. And he asks, why do people keep thinking Freddie is leaving for a loser team like the Knicks or Hornets? I legit don't see a world where he is gone. And I want to know y'all's opinions or takes. Um, My favorite Miami Heat fan. <laughs> <laughs> same here. He's like half Raptors fan. It's so funny to watch his conflicted feelings on the timeline. I love it. Because he's like genuinely a fan of both teams. It's awesome. He's like trying to figure it out in front of us who he likes better. Um, And Um, honestly, I I completely agree too. Like I know there are people, I I do see a world where Freddie would want to be paid the highest of bags. Um, But I also feel like, but I also feel like he also values winning. Like, no, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna go to the Knicks, but like, what for? At what cost? You're not going to win anything with the Knicks. You're not win <laughs> anything cost? with the Hornets, right? Like, you will get paid, but you're not gonna get the same recognition that you're getting right now. So, and I feel like, yes, money is good, but if he values winning and he values um, going far in playoffs, then this is the best best place for him to be. No, yeah, you're exactly right, and I feel like him and Pascal are so close, and their stories are. So um, they're the same age. They both have the same G League upbringing. Like, I feel like he wants to be in tandem with his partner in crime for like the next several years. Like, that's just what I see. You know, I think they're kind of like a Larry and DeRozan, you know, for oh, this makes era. Me so happy. Yeah, where they're kind of just they're they're kind of just tied together because of their um, history with the team. Like, I can't, I cannot envision him leaving unless it's like. I see fits around the league. Like the league needs classic point guards like uh, Fred Van Vliet. Like mm-hmm. he can be a classic point guard. He's he's pretty modern where he's kind of like a a Kyrie where he wants to score first, but he can absolutely get you what 
eight assists a night if he wants. But yeah, like I, I, I just think this team is the perfect fit, and I feel like they're gonna pay him what he's worth. I don't think they're gonna insult him with the, their offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as they don't insult him with their offer, I don't see him leaving. Like I, he'll get the best of both worlds. He'll be given a chance to win and perhaps compete at the highest level again in you know the next couple of years. Uh, which few teams can offer, you know, I do see a fit maybe on the Suns. Like, I feel like the Suns are the next best thing in the West, Mm. um, where they kind of remind me of Denver, where they're going to be up there very soon. Like, it's going to hit us where it's like, whoa, this team is selling like a five seed in the West. Yeah. Mm. Um, So I can perhaps they're just a piece away. They need a point guard like Fred VanVleet. But other than that, like, he's a Raptor to me. Like, I, I don't see him leaving. If he does leave, you know, it's not the end of the world. I do think that if he leaves, then Lowry's just going to be kept until retirement or something. But yeah, yeah, that's my opinion. What about you, Jerome? Um, I think the tough part is going to be just if there's a team that's willing to just obscenely overpay for him. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to from Fred's point of view, I just don't see why he would want to lead this team. Nothing about his demeanor, what he said. Uh, indicates that he would in any way want to be a part of anything except this culture. But for his talents and for what he does, there probably is a number that a team might overpay that that the Raptors might not want to match. And I think that's the scenario where we have to accept that he might go another way. Because at that point, it's not necessarily his decision, but just our decision to match that offer. And I don't think, you know, Fred takes a lesser offer just to stay. Um, mm-hmm. because ultimately, I mean, I think culture winning, like he has won a championship. He is a champion. So at least he has that kind of to carry with him wherever he ends up going. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of to Nora's point that sadly kind of works against us is he's a person who's going to bet on himself. Right. So if you tell oh, him God. he's going to go to a <laughs> trash team, like the Knicks, like I don't take Fred as any person, but a person to believe that he can be that difference. So uh, and I think that's what makes him great, too. So uh, I think it depends on how much a team is willing to pay him. I think that we want to keep him by any means necessary, but obviously there is everyone has a price and everyone has a number that we may or may not be able to match. So I, I hope also it doesn't don't happen. see the Raptors underpaying him. I feel like once you've developed that, a guy yeah, I don't from see G League, him, um, like they mm-hmm, understand mm-hmm. what he brings to the table. think? Ooh, I feel like it's hard to 20s? guess numbers, but I'm guessing they offer him between 18 and 20 after yeah. like this postseason. I feel like I think that's the type of player he is. And Before the playoffs, it might have been a really obscene number. Yeah, I think it might. People yeah. were saying eh, they might just give him like a. I, I was thinking if he performs really well, they might just give him like a, a Lowry contract where it's mm-hmm. like a three year max. Um, but now I'm thinking, and eh, perhaps they give him a four year, um, you know, third fourth offensive option on a championship team type point guard uh type uh contract where it's like an an 18 to 20 million anything more than that would be like a wow we really really believe in you which they could very well do like Masai is someone who likes to pay people but yeah that it's going to be interesting uh and I, I Fred like he took a I don't think people understand like He's last so season, right now. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think we understand. Like, last season, we were trying to kind of take him out of the rotation in the Sixer series. And then here, he's completely indispensable. Like, he's his numbers were so close to Kyle's. Like, he's he's not the player yep. Kyle is, obviously, but his he was, what, giving us 17 and 7 or something? 
Like that's and a he's still solid, getting better. Solid. Like all these guys are still. Yeah, getting exactly. Better. Like who knows? He doesn't. He doesn't take that leap where he comes back. Exactly. And he's he's As stronger. He's his court has improved. A better finisher. Like who knows? Because he's already done a leap. Like there's nothing. I think he's arguably him. a better shooter than Kyle. So if you can like take any more of like Kyle's traits, that's going to be a pretty dangerous player. Yeah, he definitely improved as a huge obstacle last season. Uh, and who knows? Regular season Fred was crazy. Like this season, I think he was like kind of getting a lot more notice mm-hmm. inside of the team, just the way he was cooking people out mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah. Everyone and, wants him. He's like the perfect complimentary point guard uh, for, for sure. a good team. He, he's someone who's like a, a ceiling raiser because of his defense. Yeah, this probably leads us um, to the last question and it ends off perfectly. Um, Jamil Robinson asks, in a year where the expectations externally was for us to take a step back and then our younger pieces continue to grow and improve, how excited are you for next season? Oh, I love that, uh, how she framed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You go go ahead, Jerome, since you ended on that one. Um, Super excited. I I think that was... Like for me, going into the season uh, post Kawhi, I was not necessarily excited for the immediate season ahead, but the couple of seasons that are supposed to come afterward. Because exactly, no, I agree. You know, and from the team that we had on paper, there none of those people were players that you were going to immediately mark mark as ready. But the potential that you had on the team, and honestly, like I know people are killing skills right now, but what he achieved in the regular season, first all-star um, and even like still maintaining some of the skills and not even factoring in, like like we all said, bubble doesn't count. So if bubble doesn't count, that's a really promising thing <laughs> altogether. But, you know, seeing OG kind of take a bit of a leap there, showing flashes of um, big things, like beyond even just the shot itself, just like seeing him be able to put the ball on the floor and pull up for shots and have confidence in his three-pointer and kind of forgetting that you know he is a third-year player but given his injury history and how it happened like he's like two and a half at most in terms of how many seasons he's played and then you know oh, yeah Fred figuring out himself and still kind of working under under the tutelage of Kyle Lowry and this is not even like going into you know like Matt Thomas had some like really fun moments in this series where everything that you thought he was going to be a negative on, like he at worst was maybe neutral. Like he actually wasn't hurting us much on the defense and he was that threat out there. And just, we have these other players, you know, Terrence Davis didn't get any minutes, but like, or barely got any minutes. And, but he, like, he's still sitting there and we saw those flashes during the regular season. There's so many things in this that if you have been and continue to be a Raptors fan, like you can't help but be excited about it. Like this is a team that has the right culture, the right foundation and organization under it with players that have the potential. Like this is all you can ask for, for a championship level team. Yeah. I think next season we are going to see the young guys get a lot more run, like a lot more a longer leash, like with our mm-hmm. rookies. Uh, it may not look, great all the time I, I think fans should brace for that um our ceiling may not be as high as it was this season especially with the big man rotation being a big question mark but with you know Gasol and Mark being um big contract guys who you know may go to teams that are in a win now mode uh who need a, a talented big man on either defense or offense which both you know Serge is your offense guys uh Gasol is your defense guy so 
who knows um, how what our ceiling is. And I got to say, like, I was worried about our uh, pre year. I'm referring to it as. <laughs> uh, I was always saying, like, this is going to be a, a year where, oh, God, it, it might be kind of ugly. But now I'm, like, so excited. And I, I, I get why teams with young cores who may not have the highest ceiling are so obsessed and, you know, um, joyful about watching their team play and grow because like now we get it we're gonna we're gonna be in that spot for the first time in you know several years you know I think this team has been led by older um, all-stars for years now with Kyle and Damar um, even with Kyle he was kind of always in his late 20s early 30s when he started to look like a, a perennial all-star and now we're being led by guys who are just dipping their toes into their primes with Fred and with um, OG and Fred and sorry, Pascal, where they're um, now becoming um, prime players. So it's going to be a new space and it's going to be extremely fun. And I don't doubt that Nick Nurse knows exactly what to do with these guys and how to make them look, you know, like an enticing uh, system to play with for any for, you know, it's not just Giannis in 2021. There's going to be a host of all star caliber free agents out there. And I don't see how this team strikes out on everybody. Yeah, I completely agree as well. Um, just to echo up what both of you said, I think this entire season has just been such a big um, testament to these players and for them to just get their toes dirty, their hands dirty, figure out um, where they need to improve, what they're doing that that should work um, more in the future. It's It's been so exciting as a fan to watch and to see that there are areas that they are going to grow and come back better because even right now, this team, like the fact that we pushed it, I still can't believe that that we pushed it, that we pushed Celtics to game seven and we barely had any production on the offensive end from um, anyone besides really Kyle and um, OG and maybe Fred sometimes. Um, and then, you know, you had Mark and Norm come through for the last couple of games, but that was pretty much it. And the fact that even like we knew that if they had just made it past the Celtics, everything else would have probably been had, 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 had come easier. Um, beating the Miami would have been a lot easier and whoever makes it out of the West, I think we would have had a really good shot, perhaps maybe not against Kawhi, but I think for sure against the Lakers, we match up really, really well. Um, and that's probably yeah. why we, we don't feel that, that, painstaking loss that we felt in the past couple of years before Kauai whenever we lost because you just never knew like what's going to happen again next year this time you know that these guys are going to get better you know they're going to come back more hungry more ready um they understand what it takes they have that championship pedigree as well as um just being battle tested in every way possible and um as far as Pascal is concerned I'm, I'm really sick of seeing all the hate and it's not just from Leafs fans it's not just from casual people you also see it from um actual fans too and it's kind of just like at a certain like i understand constructive criticism for sure but like you don't think he understands what he needs to do but it's not constructive criticism what they're exactly you know like they take it way too far and if you at any point you find yourself sending horrible messages to players that like that are human beings i think that should be a very big self-reflection moment for yourself to be like where am i going wrong where i feel the need to send this hateful message message to somebody else it's so wrong and it's so terrible that someone who's been playing basketball for seven years who won us a championship last year has to limit his comments and his teammates like serge had to post um a um, an instagram picture about 
like for me, people were saying they're speculating, oh, this he's leaving. That's what his post was about. I think he's posted that just to defend Pascal. The entire thing mm-hmm. um, pretty much just stated how, you know, you win as a team, you lose as a team, you do everything together as a team. And this is not an individual sport. Um, and the fact that the teammates feel the need to stand up for him means, you know, he must be going through something and he's taking it very personal. And knowing Pascal, knowing his trajectory, knowing how well he's going to come back and how much he's going to push himself over, over um, the offseason as a real fan, as someone who knows what this team can can give you, you should be very excited. Who has seen the failures? Happen. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important to know. Sorry, like like if you have been like following this team, just like for me personally, like I started following this team around like 2014, 2015, like with the North. If era, you've been there those years, <laughs> you would not be worried in the least bit about you know Pascal about this squad, like. If you've had those playoff heartbreaks and if you've seen those, um, you know, goose eggs, like you would not be worried right now. I remember and, cheering um, on Grievous Vasquez getting subbed on. Like these, those were like dark times. <laughs> huge. Like this is, this is nothing. Like, Enjoy the journey. Like, I can't, like, I can't, yeah. I, I can't <laughs> stress that enough. Like, especially with Pascal, like I'm so glad that I've been able to favor every step that he's taken um because it's made everything you know um like i think his team sees it too like kyle's been there that's why he was kind of unfazed by it he's like you know he's gonna see it he's gonna be better and i don't doubt it like he did not sound like he doubted it mm-hmm. in the least bit so um could i, I think- add a thing to that too just um because i mean we've been joking about how you know the bubble doesn't count but you know, Dishes and Dimes did such a good job of talking about it and contextualizing this whole time going into the bubble before we had any play. But when you see these players out there, and I think we got so spoiled and caught up because so much was going on and it's been really, really good basketball that we kind of got back into a regular mode of expecting everything out of them. But what they were going through by way of coming off a pandemic, trying to get healthy again, going through everything around the social justice movement, and playing through that while in the bubble as well. Every minute that they play out there is an achievement, whether they win or lose. And, and being think, in the bubble longer than everybody else, several weeks sure. longer than everybody else, like that gets you. Got to so you. caught up, we took away their humanity. And I, I think, think they should do like studies do. on this bubble to see how to impact it players' psychological levels, because I'm sure it impacted it somehow. Without question. Yeah. Like, so I'm just hoping to do anything. I think the biggest issue with all of this is that this off season is probably going to be quite long. I think that's like the only thing that really saddens me that yeah. we're going to have to wait a while before we get to see NBA basketball again, you know, as Do Raptors you guys think fans. they really want to wait until the fans are back or are they going to continue with the initial thought of um, Christmas Day on no, it, it, it sounds like the Christmas day is kind of scrapped. It seems that they want some fans and that they're going to have like not exactly a bubble, but um, it's going to be quite limited in terms of travel. Like we might not get Raptors basketball in Canada again. I remember reading a ringer piece like right. last week about that, where they may not be playing in Canada again be- just because of the travel restrictions. So it's going to be weird, but, you know, I think that's the only tough part about all of this, that we yeah. got, we're going to have to wait <laughs> before we see Raptors basketball again. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's a testament to, like, the team and the culture that Masai has helped architect and that Kyle has helped architect that, you know, we expect growth now because we've gotten it, like, every single year for years now. So 
this has been like your your uh, good vibes evaluation <laughs> of, the, <laughs> of the Raptors season. Um, it's so sad that it had to end. I think that's the only tragedy of it. But, you know, this team is awesome. I'm excited about the future. Perhaps next week we'll discuss um, the actual X's and O's of what the team is going to look like next year. But besides that, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Jerome for being our guest today. Thank you um, for having me. We were, like, you know, I love talking Raptors with you. This was great. Um, was and so thank fun. you, Nora, for co-hosting. So we'll check in with you guys next week. Thank you for listening and have a great morning because it should be up monday morning (laughs) bye everyone (laughs) bye